make the world become more programmable. That's the goal of Nordic APIs, who holds a series of conferences and events throughout Scandinavia and more recently, the US, to help organizations make smarter tech decisions and streamline their operations through APIs and strategies. Their work explores the API sector and sheds to light various emerging technologies and trends through their events and blogs. In this round of cocktails, we have Nordic APIs Editor-in-Chief, who gives us an insider perspective behind their work at Nordic APIs. We also dive into the current trends within the API space, where we talk about the different API styles and specifications that have emerged, some exciting prospects and innovations from industry bodies and providers, as well as some interesting insights as to how APIs can move the industry forward. Welcome to Coding Over Cocktails, a podcast by Toro Cloud. Here we talk about digital transformation, application integration, low-code application development, data management, and business process automation. Catch some expert insights as we sit down with industry leaders who share tips on how enterprises can take on the challenge of digital transformation. Take a seat, join us for a round. Here are your hosts, Kevin Montalbo and Toro Cloud CEO and founder, David Brown. All right, joining us today from Sydney, Australia, is Tor Cloud CEO and founder, David Brown. Good day, David. Good day, Kevin. All right, and our guest for today is a well-known tech journalist who tracks the API economy, as well as covers DevOps topics, and analyzes state-of-the-art technologies in the enterprise cloud software space. He's the editor-in-chief for Nordic APIs, an API event company that also runs a high-impact blog on API practice. Interviewing key players and sharing insights through his evergreen articles has been featured in several publications such as Programmable Web, TechBeacon, DevOps.com, Container Journal, CMO.com, ReadWrite, and many more. He also speaks at API conferences, online events, and podcasts such as this one. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us today for Coding Over Cocktails is Bill Dorfeld. Hi, Bill. It's great to have you on the show. How are you doing? Hi, Kevin. Doing well. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the introduction. All right, great. So we'll jump right into the questions, Bill. Uh, we we want to talk about uh, Nordic API first. So Nordic APIs was founded in 2013, and you became editor in chief in 2015. So what were the founders' objectives for Nordic APIs, and has the scope changed over the years? Yeah. So like you said, uh, those those founders it was Travis Spencer and Andreas Krohn. And they co-founded Nordic APIs back in 2013, so a couple years before I entered the picture there. And the mission kind of has always been to help disseminate knowledge, to help the world become more programmable through the use of APIs and API strategy. And at that time, the whole idea of like becoming a platform was pretty novel. And companies were lurking, looking to this model to uh, kind of reinvent themselves and see what sort of new businesses could be created and how you know you could streamline internal oper- operations using API first strategies. So yeah, there's a lot of interesting knowledge at that time. And um, there wasn't really an API conference series happening in the Nordic region, which is where the founders ended up. And so this was kind of built to fill that gap. And then I, I came across them just online and, uh, you know, being a, a journalist and uh, an editor ended up helping out with their blog. So I've been more on the content side of things for them, helping, you know, manage a lot of 
ebooks and blog posts and working with writers and and con contributors to the space um, to yeah help kind of increase knowledge around APIs. And the founders, did they have a background in APIs? What drove them to uh, set up Nordic APIs in the first place? Yeah, so Travis Spencer, he's an identity specialist and his company is now Curity. And at that time they were doing more consulting. Now they have a fully fledged service company. And Andreas is more in the API design kind of consulting spectrum, at least that when he was uh, founding, co-founding Nordic APIs. So yeah, a lot of uh, background in that space and knowledge of what was happening at that time. And of course, Curity, for those that are not familiar, would do amazing work in authentication, OAuth space particularly. Yeah, yeah, they're they're doing some really, really cool stuff. And uh, I, I should mention they're an they're a organizer and sponsor involved with Nordic APIs. Um, yeah. But yeah, they're doing some innovative stuff, especially around like, I think the last thing they were working on, on was uh, integrating hypermedia into the uh, hypermedia driven security for yeah an api design around authentication which is interesting yeah they're always pushing the boundaries yeah exactly so look nordic, nordic apis uh covers a very broad range of api related topics from specification standards uh security and architecture were you already familiar with these topics when you joined nordic apis or did you have to uh learn real fast i was already somewhat familiar um, my first kind of eye-opening moment was when I was trying to design an app and it totally failed. We like did this Kickstarter and everything. It was a part of a, a college course, which I, I took really seriously and brought it off campus with some, some people and we tried to make it happen, but it didn't end up working. But uh, one of the, the co-founders, um, Andy, he was like, oh, what? Why, how about we just use the Venmo API to solve this payments issue? And I was like, what the hell is that? And uh, you look it up and you, you see things like um, active pharmaceuticals, ingredients, all these acronyms that you know <laughs> have nothing to do with application program, programming interface. And then a few months later, I ended up uh, doing a lot of work with programmable web and just researching a lot of APIs and cataloging a lot for their directory, which... Uh, really turned me on to the whole industry and re I just realized how fascinating this was that they're you know creating all this reusable technology and literally helping people not reinvent the wheel from like all these different business oper operations that you could just plug and play into you know your own application so that really seemed like where things were heading and you know and I wanted to to be a part of it so um, that's kind of how I got started. And so before I got into Nordic APIs, editor in chiefing, I had a, a basic, you know, baseline understanding. But um, really, I had to keep asking questions. And I think that's what drove things forward. Like realizing what I personally didn't understand about the space really helped me realize what other newcomers wouldn't readily understand as well. And so I actually just assigned those kind of questions to our writers you know like what is oauth what is rate limiting what does versioning mean what are the rest constraints so just kind of realizing what i personally didn't understand and uh you, you know was able to kind of build that knowledge and actually recommend that to anyone who's in charge of any sort of blog presence or thought leadership channel like recognizing what you don't know and like owning up to it and being proud of that 
um, that can be a strategy to, you know, avoid imposter syndrome and like just realize what you need to improve on. <laughs> so uh, we're, we're, we're always trying to improve our knowledge of the space. And uh, yeah, I'm proud of the body of work we've assembled, but really owe it to uh, the good founding direction and uh, awesome contributors and, and writers. So whilst, whilst you uh, have a broad range of subjects related to APIs, uh, some, uh, uh, you know, a little bit further afield like microservices architecture and the like, but yeah. do you ultimately you're covering APIs. You've been yeah. doing it for six years. Do you find yes. <laughs> it hard to keep finding new things to write about? Uh, you would think that you would, right? Yeah. Um, I've been surprised how easily it is to keep on going. You like crack open an, an onion and then you peel back the layers and then you realize there's like a hundred more onions in that onion. Uh, so it's kind of like the deeper you go down the rabbit hole, the weirder it gets and the more questions you have. And even if you did learn everything, it would kind of be null and void a few months later, just with how fast the technological space you know progresses. So every everyone's always evolving. Um, I know some of your questions are about like new trends and standards, which I'm sure we'll cover. Um, so yeah, I think that's part of it. Just and also there's like so many great minds trying to solve these problems that we're experiencing with things like, you know, linting open API specifications. Well, that's a very like nuanced concept and only relevant, you know, I don't know, 2016 onward. So uh, there's so many new packages being developed and then those need to be put to the test or we're doing roundups of like a bunch of different comparable comparative technologies. So yeah, there's, there's a lot to cover. Interesting. How, let's uh, discuss how the industry has changed. Um, so over the last six years, you would have seen a lot of evolution in the space. Uh, how, have you seen, I'm guessing you've seen specifications change, new standards emerge. Uh, yeah. what is, what's the sort of things you've experienced over those six years? I'd say the most significant change I've noticed is the emphasis on developer experience. When I first entered the space, this was a very novel concept that not many people were acknowledging or thinking about really. So you would kind of just publish an API documentation to some sort of web portal. People weren't even really calling it developer portals at that time. Yeah. Uh, and the standards were different. The design looked a lot different. Um, just not, not only visually, but they were using like SOAP and XML and kind of holdovers from um, SOA days, which was like before my time, I can't even talk about it fluently, <laughs> which, you know, shows the evolution of, of the space here. So uh, yeah, and, and doing some of that work with programmable web, just reviewing all these documentations and realizing how difficult it was like for uh, someone coming from a more business perspective, just to understand what the tech was doing. But nowadays, interfaces are a lot prettier. There's more testing sandboxes. There's better use of like these sleek, dark mode filled uh, developer experiences for these APIs. And uh, the providers are really putting effort to make um, these services way more self-service, mm -hmm. especially with the whole rise of 
like the API as a product trend, which we've been following on the blog and uh, working on an ebook toward that soon too. So yeah, I've, I've noticed that um, as a as a big movement lately, especially it seems like you know emblazoned by the success of Twilio and Nihilus, Skyflow, Shopify. There's business. There's been like API first companies literally IPOing, which is uh you know people are wondering like if there's a next API based unicorn out there for some other sort of sector that hasn't really been covered yet. So there's been a huge proliferation of that sort of API as a product concept and people trying to put that to the test, create new business models, which is super interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, I could go on. There's the, there's a lot with standardization, you know, style guides, a lot of funding in the, in the sector. There's a, there's a lot that's evolved in, in just a mere six years. And of course, that developer experience, you started at Programmable Web and, and they wanted to facilitate discovery of, of APIs by creating totally. a, a directory of APIs. It kind of reminds me of Yahoo, though, like, you know, humans yeah. sort of creating this uh, directory listing of um, so API services that are available and documenting them. Um, and ultimately, of course, Yahoo's directory was supplanted by Google and that like right. um so uh is 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 the future more uh self-discovery of apis uh better indexing of apis i was just talking about uh someone about this today actually with uh david from api metrics and we were kind of fiddling with the idea that discovery will essentially be solved the same way Google has approached discovery for every other, you know, day items out there. Uh, I could totally see using metadata from an open API specification to simply populate a card that Google shows, um, you know, as a dropdown. Of course, um, having these directories is super important for comparative analysis, being able to like see performance rates, uh, making sure SL- SLAs are being met, s- comparing like different security um, nuances between services and of course like pricing. So that's where these marketplaces and discovery platforms, like you mentioned programmable web, there's API discovery, there's rapid API, of course. I think that's where you know their, their big value is. It, it's not like searching for these services because like you said someone could just do that do that on google and it's not really supplanting anything in that way but uh yeah giving some more analysis and comparative lens between the services i I see value in it still with that yeah i mean there can be enormous value there's been proven in spaces of shopping comparison engines for insurance or or car loans or whatever it may be so it can equally apply to the api space right yeah, totally. So just talk about your, your conference. Um, was the conference yep. always part of the strategy with Nordic APIs? When did when did the conference start? Yeah, the, the, definitely. Um, the I think they had their first platform summit in 2013, and since then had been holding the platform summit every year. Of course, until COVID hit. Um, I should preface that I'm a bit distanced from the actual physical conference planning. I'm more on the content side of things like the blog, ebook, livecasts, and the Stockholm pla- the Stockholm based platform summit and the new Austin API summit 
are uh, organized by Curity, and there's some awesome people um, kind of taking the helm with that. Simon Anderson, uh, Victoria, and Stefan uh, through Curity, who is helping to organize those events. So yeah, it, it's uh, been based in Sweden. It's been about, I'd say in the fall and winter every year since then, aside from 2020. And then in 2018, we took the conference to Austin and we uh, did a, a few Austin API summits uh, and basically just copy and pasted the same format there. And uh, it's been growing since and it's been doing really well. And um, can't really confirm or deny any exact event plans at this point uh, for the future, but I know the team is eager for it all to resume once it's safe to do so. Right. So we will get back. To, the intention is to get back to face-to-face -face conferences. Yeah. As far as I know, I think that's still the plan. Yeah. And when you took it to the U.S. market, I mean, you would think you're taking uh, yeah, an enormous opportunity there with an, an, an enormous market. Yeah. Uh, it, what did it uh, supplant the uh, Sweden-based conference in terms of size? Is it, is it difficult to enter that market? I'm sure it has very different dynamics. Yeah, that's a great question. I think the way that people kind of interact maybe is a little bit differently uh, in Europe as opposed to in the US. Uh, people maybe are a little bit more like boisterous and informal in Austin as opposed to <laughs> in <laughs> Stockholm. Uh, so I noticed that. But our industry is so global at this point, um, the best practices and a lot of the same speakers were at both, but I wouldn't say that one event was, you know, supplanting the other at all. There's uh, plenty of knowledge to go around, plenty of people interested in both that, that were coming out. But yeah, obviously a great advantage of taking a conference on the road is that you can go to people where they are and just get more interested people involved in the community. Yeah, the uh, the Sweden-based conference ties up nicely with SASDOC in Dublin. They're almost back-to-back. -back. So I, I normally do the uh, SASDOC conference in Dublin and I was able to do um, the uh, Nordic ABI's conference straight after that. Uh, oh, fantastic. And, yeah, um, obviously from last year, the year before. Um, awesome. What are the um, current trends you're seeing from industry bodies? We have, when I say industry bodies, uh, we have standards organizations like OpenAPI um, and, and I guess API solution providers themselves are also pushing the space. Uh, what, are the, what are the trends you're seeing from these bodies and solution providers? So I already mentioned API as a product. That's been an evolving trend for people looking to like externalize APIs as reusable products. But there's also the internal use case um, building API first kind of follows the whole like Bezos mandate of uh, externalization from day one, kind of using that even for your internal offerings as well, adopting that mindset. Um, so, you know, that's been, I think, in the background of a lot of people's minds and architects' minds. Um, there's also been, as I'm sure your, your listeners are well aware, the sort of revolution from the monolithic architecture to this more decentralized, decoupled microservices approach. And I've seen a lot of the solutions in our industry now providing ways to try and tackle the repercussions of all of that. So once you have a distributed you know, microservices architecture environment, 
how do you centrally manage a fleet of thousands of microservices and apply common things like role-based role-based access and security and monitoring, um, routing and communication between those microservices? So yeah, I've seen a lot of uh, the solutions kind of flip-flop and try to centralize a decentralized state. So that's kind of interesting to see the the strategy behind all that emerge um we're also seeing a lot of trend toward multi-cloud and you know everyone pushed a lot of their offerings to the cloud and the cloud is a huge rising component of the last decade um and we also saw a lot of cloud service providers you know acquire a bunch of these leading api managers in the last decade or more but now we're seeing more people see benefits of adopting multiple clouds and seeing like where the edge of one cloud might not compare to the edge of another. Um, so uh, adopting standards to help deal with that in an agnostic way, I think people are kind of thinking about that as well. Um, yeah, there's just a, a lot of uh, different trends in, in different parts of the industry here. Has there been more uh, certainty provided over API design, particularly RESTful APIs. I remember earlier in the last decade, there was a lot of competing uh, description formats for RESTful APIs. We had RAML and Blueprint and Swagger and a number of other uh, formats for describing APIs. Has yeah. that uh, settled down a bit and uh, some winners emerging? It's settled down significantly. I would say open API specification you know, became the king from those spec wars, if you will. Mm. Yeah, so uh, OpenAPI initiative, now part of the Linux Foundation, seems to be setting course for designing RESTful services. Um, you, you might make the argument that GraphQL has emerged, you know, and sure, uh, I see them as complementary or rather, you know, being used for different use cases. You could have a GraphQL layer over a REST API. There's nothing really stopping you from doing that. GraphQL has some limitations with uh, like native caching and doesn't really handle like hypermedia all that well. Um, awesome for data retrieval and just working with a lot of database mechanics and you know getting what exactly the client needs and not overfetching or underfetching. So GraphQL is great at that. Um, Yet I still see REST as the industry standard, you know, working with an HTTP API and like serving JSON payloads, REST works very well for that. And uh, like the whole open banking movement, for example, has embraced the REST format for the most part, it seems. Um, you know, Fielding designed it to work on the scale of decades. And I think we are seeing that actually function in practice. Um, simultaneously, there's a lot going on with event-driven new architectures and asynchronous communication. A lot of these involve different protocols and these communications are just you know, built very differently. They're structured differently. And so we've seen uh, async API rise as, as a new paradigm for explaining those types of services. And uh, it's kind of a, a different approach. It's complementary, if you will, uh, on the side of the open API initiative. 
So I, those two, in my mind, are some of the the biggest like um, documentation or definition setting bodies um, in the API space today. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, but you've mentioned a few there, Open API, Async API, and GraphQL. Uh, some people see these as competitors solving the same problem, but it, it, uh, from what you said, that's not necessarily the case, that they, they, they might be uh, better suited to solving different problems, uh, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. That's my, uh, my cursory view on it. <laughs> And we we've done a lot of deep dives into this on the blog. If if you'd like to, you know, see some comparisons of these in practice and what the experts recommend for different situations. So whilst whilst we've seen some consolidation in the description formats for REST APIs, and they say Open API was was uh, the winner in that space, we yeah. have seen the emergence of new description formats for different types of APIs, like you say, the event-driven based architecture with async API and GraphQL. Um, exactly. So there, the, 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 the API space is still um, maturing. There's still new solutions coming out, solving different problems. And of course we have uh, like web events for remote-based event-based architecture as well. Yep. Uh, so the, 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 the industry is still evolving whilst REST APIs seems to be uh, solve a lot of use cases and probably the biggest solution in the marketplace. There's still a lot of other solutions out there for different problem sets. Yeah, completely agree. Yep. If you would like to be involved, you know, I recently kind of did a write up on different standards bodies and uh, their practices on, you know, inviting members to participate in these new formats. Mm-hmm. Um, some stuff is even being like designed by IETF kind of working with HTTP APIs and seeing if there's like anything in the headers that we should be considering or standardizing. Um, there's similar things going on with uh, like W3C and they're working on a web of things interest group, kind of considering the more IOT things level approach to uh, semantic descriptions for APIs. And uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot more just uh be, uh, beyond just the open API and async it is of course open API is an industry uh, body is has some funding and some big companies as sponsors do you see some sort of consolidation in the space where some of these uh, description formats for different uh, solutions like async API for example uh, come under the umbrella of a single body uh, yeah I, th- I think we did see that with the consolidation with uh, the Linux Foundation now overseeing OpenAPI. Who knows what uh, the future will hold for merging that with other specifications. I know OpenAPI in version three, you know, they're, uh, they're adopting a way to describe webhooks and some other things that might blend into other um, situations, um, more like JSON schema support and whatnot. So yeah, I, I'd say they are considering these sort of fringes and considering how they can adopt it into OpenAPI. Um, but at the same time, they need to consider what works for documenting the most cases, kind of that classic 80-20 rule. Um, I'm sure you've like hosted Daryl Miller on the podcast, right? 
I don't think we've had Oh, okay. If not, he would be an awesome person to get involved to uh, speak to exactly what the Open API's mission is and how they're working to like evolve the specification. Yeah, we've uh, had, uh, of course, uh, the API evangelist. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. The API initiative, um, yeah. the show, and and of course, we're members of the Open API initiative ourselves as Tori Cloud. Uh, so we have some sort of insight as to what the Open API initiative is is uh, pursuing, and my, our, our feeling is, is that there probably will be some sort of consolidation. Some of these uh, standards are looking for a home, if you like, whether that's right. the, whether that's a Linux foundation home or 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 some or in, so independently under the Linux foundation or come under the Open API umbrella. It remains to be seen, but I think there's perhaps some opportunity for some uh, consolidation there you know it's it t- takes resources to build and promote these standards right so yeah completely efficiencies there to be seen not ruling it but we'll see what happens we'll see what happens so uh look what's what's the future i mean obviously you mentioned microservices and uh i briefly mentioned uh, web events for you know remote based uh, events we've also had people on the program talking about Automatic discovery and consumption of APIs with machine consumption of APIs. What what is where are we going? Is is, is gRPC going to uh, overtake microservices and and is the future you know, web events with auto discovery of APIs consumption? Where is this? Where is all this heading? I, yeah, I've noticed a lot of interest in gRPC. I, I could see further architectures being built with that as a yeah, you know, the communication support layer, it can completely see that for supporting more microservices delivery. Um, but in general, talking about where the API space is heading, um, you know, we have great functionality out there. We have like container-based architecture serving these great microservices and everything's API connected or possibly API connected. Uh, but like I said earlier, I think the developer experience is something we really need to consider and put more effort into. And also making these APIs more consumable by a larger market. And what I mean by that is opening them up to citizen developers and uh, you know low-code platforms, ways that we can extend the power of APIs to the, you know, the more, more the business folks could be very interesting in growing the space, I believe. And once we do that, once we loop more of those kind of minds into the conversation, uh, a lot of what needs to be tracked is more like, how does this affect the overall business? Or what is the security at, at, at hand? We're, we start looking at more like metrics and performances of these APIs, as opposed to just, you know, does it get the job done? I feel like the standards have risen significantly so if we're you know out on the market choosing something to purchase um there's a lot of options now and it's going to come down to which not only solves the function at hand and can deliver but which does it in the most streamlined way with the best experience for developers and which is the most secure so i think standards have risen like that and uh, we'll just see these sort of api based products continue to refine themselves based off of those standards. Yeah, because we've had the comment on the program in the past that, you know, at this stage of development of APIs, we're really sort of working on the plumbing. We're working on uh, specifications, standards, security, 
um, and, and answering those questions and coming up with ways to define them and ways to do things. But ultimately, the plumbing should be a problem which is largely solved and should really disappear into the background. And we should be focusing more on, like you say, the developer experience. And and the APIs are just a mechanism that, that we just you don't even think about anymore. It's just, yeah. it's just the way we do things, right? Completely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's something that the general public still doesn't understand and probably will never understand because it's it's more of a, a base layer plumbing there. And maybe there's no reason for them to. Um, I, you mentioned consolidation earlier on the program, uh, but you were talking about in terms of like specifications. Um, the same is kind of being attempted by companies who are trying to consolidate like a bunch of APIs in the same sector into one single endpoint. Like we're seeing this um, for like looping in a bunch of CRM APIs or banking APIs. So they, they're calling it the universal API. Uh, there's a couple of these providers out there attempting this, which uh, is pretty interesting because like aggregators who need to, uh, who want like all the weather data out there, you know, and they don't want, uh, they want to like refine the output and make sure it's it's perfect um <laughs> they might want to integrate a lot of these similar services so who knows in uh eventually we might have one api for weather for the entire earth yeah i mean we we, we do it we do it for cloud-based services right so we yeah. abstract the apis of cloud-based services so that you can have a single api to provision compute or storage uh so exactly. it, it's possible that it's not an insurmountable problem to do a similar thing for APIs. You do have different database uh, yeah, entity uh, descriptions and, and formats. So, you know, some, some APIs will return different data to others and it creates complexities about how you manage those data issues. But from a technical perspective, there's no reason. In fact, that's common practice even internally to abstract your own APIs. So the yeah. concept of abstract, abstracting uh, public APIs is, is not that much of a stretch. It's really just a case of managing the data and how you consolidate that data and being ret returning it from these different formats. Weather is probably a relatively easy one because there are not so many uh, attributes of those entities of, of, of yeah. how to describe weather. But a CRM, for example, yeah, you can describe a contact record or a company record in, in so many different ways, in so many different formats. And I think Microsoft is probably trying to solve that problem with uh, its alliance with SAP and Adobe with the common data model, which uh, we've also embraced with a, a, a product called Negroni at Datore Cloud. But, uh, and so to standardize on actually the data entities as well. So maybe that forms part of the solution as well whereby the it might make it easier for those API providers to abstract them. I completely agree. I think it does kind of boil down to that common data model. And once there's more standards, then yeah, this is far more feasible. I like how you phrase it as an abstraction layer. I think, yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about. And we'll, we're going to see the future of the abstraction layer for the API continue to uh, become more accessible. Bill Dorfield, it's been a pleasure to have you on the uh, program. How can our listeners uh, follow you, uh, what you write about and what you do? Uh, yeah, sure. Well, first off, you can follow Nordic APIs um, anywhere on social media or just go to the site and we have a great newsletter. I pump out 
like six articles every two weeks on everything APIs, recovering, strategy, security, design, platformification, a lot of different topics. Um, and I'm also doing a monthly live cast series, kind of similar to this podcast, but with a couple presentations involved and we're c- tackling specific topics. So yeah, that's something to keep an eye out for. Um, if you'd like to follow up with my writing and track what I'm doing personally, you can go to uh, Twitter would be the best at Dorfeld Bill. That's my tag. Great. Thank you, Bill. Great. Thanks so much for having me. Really fun to nerd out on everything API. All right, that's a wrap for this episode of Coding Over Cocktails. To our listeners, what did you think of this episode? Let us know in the comment section from the podcast platform you're listening to. Also, please visit our website at www.torocloud.com for a transcript of this episode, as well as our blogs and our products. We're also on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. Talk to us there, because we listen. Just look for Toro Cloud. On behalf of the team here at Toro Cloud, thank you very much for listening to us today. This has been Kevin Montalbo for Coding Over Cocktails. Cheers! <laughs>